Welcome to the Upper Room Dallas podcast. I am so excited that you're tuning in for this week's message. My name is Kevin Tips, and I'm the global pastor of Upper Room. And in this message, I discuss what biblical rest means, and more specifically, what a lifestyle of rest is both founded upon and looks like. Uh, we're going to dive into how practicing the Sabbath actually positions us to grow in the rest of Jesus and what grace Jesus provides for us in the Sabbath when we stop from our working and we still our souls before Him and we seek to connect more deeply with Him and others and the beauty of the life that He's given us. So I bless you as you listen to not only be provoked and equipped to enter more fully into His rest, but my hope is that even as you're listening, there's an impartation of His rest uh, in the message that you're about to hear. So I bless you and I hope that you enjoy. All right, I, um, we've been in a vein of uh, talking about Shabbat, Sabbath, and rest, and we are going to continue in that vein today, and I am so excited. The last time I was able to share with all of you, um, it was during COVID, and the room was empty. <laughs> it was real awkward. Um, I spoke on humility, which is a, um, a high value in for me personally, and it was an incredibly humbling experience to preach to an empty room. Um, so I'm very thankful that you're here. Um, <laughs> very happy that you're here today. Um, but rest, Sabbath, is um, something that I am equally as not only passionate about, but convicted of. I um, have been on a journey along with my wife and family for the last few years, just kind of... Um, embracing and discovering and exploring Sabbath as um, a practice and part of our kind of weekly rhythm and ritual. And um, it is uh, such a transformative gift to me. Um, and so I, I started kind of this journey of discovering Sabbath. My personality is one where I really like Rhythm and routine, I do really well. What some people would consider like mundane. I actually really like consistency. I just do. And, um, <clears throat> but I found myself in kind of the throes of seven years of, of leadership here. And growth and changes and transitions and more changes and more growth, I just got really tired. And um, I wasn't burnt out by any stretch of the imagination, but I was tired, and I took a break. I took a five-week sabbatical, and um, I was so thankful, man, for our leadership that um, really not only um, allowed that to happen, but really fought for it. They're like, take it. Take a break. I'm like, Re really? For five weeks? Okay. Praise God. Thank you. Um, it proved to me that I matter more than my function. Amen. So... <laughs> That's not always true in church, you know? Oof. Um, and so I was really grateful to Michael and Larissa and our elders. Man, they're wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, God, for Michael and Larissa, my elders. Um, so on sabbatical, I, uh, you know, I began to realize, man, I don't want this to be a cycle where I labor really intensely, and then again in seven years, I'm going to need another five-week break. Like, something's got to shift in how I'm living my life um, that helps 
me cooperate with the grace of God and stay in that rhythm of grace in a way that um, a sabbatical can always be a gift and proactive, but never prescriptive, right? It's never diagnostic. It's never, I need to take a break now. It's like, oh, I get to get to break. Sweet, right on. And so as I began to pray, like, Lord, like, what is up? There was a number of things that he began to put his finger on. But that began my discovery of the Sabbath. And I was, you know, I grew up in, um, in kind of Lutheran, Anglican world, um, never heard of Sabbath. That was not, that was foreign stuff. It was just Jewish stuff, you know, uh, did not know anything about it. And, um, and so kind of like familiar with maybe Seventh Day Adventist. I was like, I don't know what that's about, but I went on a journey of discovering and learning about the Sabbath and, um, and what I've discovered both in my study, but also just in the practice. My goodness, I am like the biggest advocate. You can ask anyone who's served under my leadership. And uh, I not only continually champion Sabbath as a weekly practice, um, but when people get tired or their soul gets funky or sin pops up, one of the first few questions I ask is, how's your work rest rhythm? Are you taking a regular Sabbath? Um, Because oftentimes that's the first thing that goes that can lead to a lot of funky stuff. Um, Now, Rabbi Jason's going to be here next week. He is a rabbi. So he's going to bring that rabbinical insight that's going to leave us just mind blown about Shabbat. So I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to come close to trying to like deep dive into what Shabbat is. In fact, what I want to do today is I want to delineate for us the difference between rest and Sabbath, because Sabbath serves rest, but rest is something different. I want to delineate the two for us. And then I want to talk not about the do's and don'ts of Sabbath, although I'll hit on that a little bit. As I prayed, I thought, man, there's so many different lives represented in this room. There's different stages of life. Um, Practicing a 24-hour period consecrated to God for the sake of communion, rest, and pleasure is going to look different for every one of us in certain ways. If we can then not look at the mechanics so much, but embrace the grace or graces that are made available to us in the Sabbath, then we can apply and cooperate with the grace of God in that day and apply it however it needs to look given our stage of life. Make sense? So we're going to talk about the grace of Sabbath, the grace of Jesus in the Sabbath, specifically five ones. So I'm excited. This is going to be one of those messages where if you like taking notes, yay, I'll give you notes and quotes. You'll have clear points. Praise God. Hooray. Okay, let me pray. Father, oh, we thank you. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're in our midst, Lord, that we're here not for any other reason than you drew us here. You're holding us together in this moment, Lord, that you see everything swirling around us. You see all that's within us. Thank you for the invitation to come. 
Father, we invite you by your spirit to teach us today. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit to be bold and true. Lord, that my words would impart the grace to rest. Lord, for those that are in the midst of battle, war, tribulation, trial, doubt, or that they would leave this building with a deep exhale on the inside, more convinced than ever of your nearness and your affection. Lord, would you deliver us out of hustle culture, consumerism, and would you deliver us into a Sabbath rest we might shine in a really busy culture. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the first books that I started to read when I discovered the Sabbath, we don't have it for sale, but I recommend it, is um, a book aptly called The Sabbath. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Anyway, it's by a Jewish man named Abraham Joshua Heschel. He's not Messianic, he's Jewish. He um, was born in Poland. He moved to uh, the United States to escape persecution during World War II. And um, this is one of those books, it's not like, here's how you do the Sabbath, boom, 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 boom. It's um, a poetic and in many, in many ways prophetic um, account of the beauty of Sabbath, God's intent in the Sabbath. Um, he wrote it because he saw his countrymen who um, had fled to the United States and many other places in an effort to escape persecution and, um, and the Nazis. And in an attempt to just kind of blend in, they uh, quickly began to um, lay aside their Jewishness to acclimate to American culture. And one of the greatest tragedies of that kind of you know, acclamation that he saw was um, this kind of increasingly um, irreverence and lack of ob observation of the Sabbath. And so he wrote this book as kind of a plea and appeal to his countrymen to um, reconsider this weekly uh, habit, ritual, tradition, whatever you want to call it. And um, his daughter, who wrote the foreword of the book, uh, wrote that he wrote this book in the same manner and with the same feeling of the Sabbath. But this book was actually written with the same, as you read it, it's, it's wording and the way he describes this day consecrated by God for God and for man. Um, it reads like the Sabbath feels. It's like, oh, wow. And, and the, the main kind of point that he leads out and that has shaped not only kind of my practice of Sabbath, but really my understanding of how God works is that the very first thing that God makes holy, right? The very first thing that he sets aside, sanctifies, and makes holy, and by makes holy, he fills it with himself. He alone is holy, right? So things become holy when he fills it. So the very first thing he fills and makes holy wasn't creation, it wasn't you and me. We are very good. Creation's good. But he makes time holy. And time specifically in the Sabbath. Why? Because God's 
chief desire in communion with man was never to fill a temple, tabernacle, ark, building, location. He tabernacles with us in time, in life, moment to moment. If you think about the garden, even in the garden, in perfection, there was an appointed time of day when he would commune with man. He would come down in the cool of the day. Now, was he around other times? Maybe, I don't know. But that was a specific time, a a point in time when there was a guarantee that God was present and that he was going to walk with you. I believe that the Sabbath is that kind of appointed time. See, the, the people can get hung up on the command and it's the Old Testament. Okay, if you want to get caught up in that, have fun. The scripture says that it's both a command and a gift. So commands, maybe law is Old Testament. Gifts are New Testament. So the Sabbath is a gift too, right? So we receive the gift of the Sabbath. Um, But the command is to keep the Sabbath holy, not make it holy. Why? Because God made it holy himself. I believe that the Sabbath isn't something that we sanctify and make holy by observing it. We actually, in observing it, submit to, surrender to, and become engulfed by the holiness that already exists in that day. If you're hungry for encounter, let me tell you, sometimes we think that God's just flippant and it's like, when's he gonna show up? But God's not like that. He does do suddenlies occasionally, the surprises, the Jehovah sneaky, but he's also created <laughs> rhythms of grace that when we abide in, we become guaranteed to live lifestyles of encounter. And the Sabbath is a weekly 24-hour period of time that you can guarantee God is present, that he is there to not only commune with, but to provide rest for your soul. So I love the Sabbath. Um, Now, when we talk about rest, um, I want to define that for us. Because again, Sabbath serves rest, but rest isn't the Sabbath. Rest, this is how I would define biblical rest. Biblical rest is complete confidence in, dependence upon the goodness, the grace, the providence, and the love of God. When you and I realize progressively that we are in him and he's in us, that he's in us both to will and to do according to his pleasure, that we labor with the energy that he provides, that the gifts and calls that he's given are irrevocable, that the scripture says that he is able to keep us from stumbling. When we begin to grasp that we are completely hemmed in by God who loves us, who cares for us, who delights in being our help, provision, and sustainer, who enjoys leading us, who sees our weakness as opportunity for fellowship, not hindrance and hurdle to overcome, we start to get really at rest on the inside. Rest, biblical rest, is being a people of faith, fully confident in who God is for us. 
that there is no pressure, there's no striving, there's no fear of retribution, there's just freedom. And it's for freedom's sake that he set us free. We get delivered from comparison. We get delivered from having to know and understand. We get liberated into being like the wind. We don't know where we came from. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're here and so is God and that's good. Right? That's so, like, we long for this. We long for this. Rest is a reality that we can live from. Um, rest is, I think, man, it, it is um, a people at rest, confident in their God, um, is probably going to be one of the most notable differences of the children of God and as things ramp up. Because when everything, I remember, man, I remember um, when I first encountered the Lord 2012, and um, when he would, when his presence was really thick, I would shake like I was being electrocuted, and I did not understand what was happening, and I didn't really like it, you know? And I remember being like, Lord, like, what is the shaking about? Why the shaking? And he said, um, my people are shaking before I shake the earth, so that when I shake the earth, they stand. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I feel like, um, you know, I, if you'd be so bold, has anyone noticed that the clamor and chatter of life has ramped up a little bit since we started this series? Anyone else feel like rest is not, not necessarily the experience? It's like, whoa, what happened? We started talking about it, and all of a sudden it's like everything's blowing up. Like, what the heck? Um, that's not by coincidence. It's because the devil hates this stuff. He's the most, like, unrested, hyped up, like, ah, entity on, in creation. Like, there's no rest apart from fellowship with the Lord, and rest is, is a vital uh, for us. Um, <clears throat> Sabbath serves rest, um, but it's not the source of rest. It's a means of grace, but it's not grace itself. Why? Because grace only comes from Jesus. Sabbath is a context, a tool, if you will, that allows us to connect with him in an intentional way, to receive from him what only he provides. He doesn't command the disciples, go to Sabbath and get rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Sabbath is a day to do that. It's a day to very intentionally do that. Um, I also think the beauty of Sabbath is that it's not just a day of reflecting and reminding on what's ultimately true. It's a day to prophetically declare the fullness of rest that's coming. See, on Sabbath, it's a day to be grateful, to enjoy God, to enjoy people, to enjoy the pleasures of life, which come from God too. It's a day um, to remember who he is, to remember that all that we are is because of him and all that we could become is going back to him, that everything in life is about 
him and that we're free in blessed self-forgetfulness to just enjoy that to be true. But it's also a prophetic declaration of a coming age that there is a fullness of rest coming when he splits the sky open, sits down on a throne in Jerusalem and beats back every oppressor and enemy of his kingdom with that rod of iron, and we will enter into a Shabbat feast like no other. And so when we gather around this table, it's not just the connection that's so powerful. It's not just the blessings and the prayer and the day of rest that's so powerful. It's that we're tasting of an age to come. We're experiencing a type and shadow of a reality that will be our forever experience. We are tasting heaven when we sit down for Shabbat dinner. We're getting a glimpse of eternity in a 24-hour day of rest. Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that make you want to do it? I'm like, people that are like, we shouldn't, this Shabbat, Shabbat, that's the Old Testament stuff. I'm like, who would argue against a day of like, what is wrong with you, you know? I'm like, who would argue against this? Um, so that's rest. I feel like rest is, it's about where our faith is. Rest is about where our confidence is. It's not about activity or inactivity. It's not about do I have a job or am I sitting in the prayer room all day long. Rest is a reality that we take with us regardless of our circumstances that actually supersedes our circumstances and therefore positions us to live supernaturally in this life where we will have trial and tribulation, right? So there are seasons you know, where maybe God invites you into specific forms of rest. But, um, you know, I really, it, it's, it should be where we live from, not just a season that we're living in. Does that make sense? Uh, am I talking too fast or am I okay? Okay. So I want to quickly, um, I've heard as we've been talking through uh, Sabbath, um, some, I've, I've heard a specific phrase said, and if you've said it, I love you, but I'm going to correct you. Um, <laughs> um, I want to talk really quick about what Sabbath is not before we talk about what it is. Um, and the and first and main thing is the Sabbath is not your Sabbath. It's not your Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't your day. It's the Lord's day. The Sabbath is a day that he made holy, that he fills, that he defines. It's not your day to kick it. It's his day to meet with you. If you approach the Sabbath as our Sabbath, what will happen is we'll grow entitled that this is now my day of rest and we'll fill it with whatever rest we think we need, which will often look like binging in front of Netflix and tuning out and thinking that that's rest, but really that's just comatose soul where we actually leave that day more disengaged, more disconnected, more unaware of God, more unaware of the state of our own soul, and we just live this cycle of always needing another day to, to binge. The Sabbath is not your Sabbath. It's his Sabbath. Jesus says himself, though, he says himself that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. What does that mean? It means that the Sabbath is for you, but it is not about you. The Sabbath is for us, but it's not about us. It is a day to very intentionally lay aside all the stuff 
that distracts us so that we can be captivated with one person, and that's him. It's a day to lose ourselves to see him. The Sabbath is for you, but it's not about you. So that's what the Sabbath isn't. It isn't a day to kick it. It's not a day to veg necessarily. It's not a day of overindulgence. Um, It's a day for communion. We're going to dive into what the Sabbath is. And this is the part that gets me really excited. (sighs) The Sabbath is both a command and a gift. It is a gift to man that you have divine permission. In fact, I would dare say instruction to stop for 24 hours to stop. Sabbath, in fact, means stop, (laughs) the stopping, to stop. Um, You have divine instruction to cease from your labor and simply find your value in being. Man, new age, popular culture is like, they're trying to market this thing of like, just being and value. But I'm like, man, our God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, before Israel was even created, created a day with the sole intention of allowing us to simply be enjoyed and to enjoy him. Like, come on, that's a good God. Like, that is a good God. We were, it was last week, you know, we got led in repentance (laughs) of self-sufficiency and self-reliance and self, self, self into rest, dependence upon God. And during worship, we were singing about creation and stuff. And um, in that vein, the Lord just suddenly asked me a question. It was so, you know, like, does he ever ask you the weirdest questions? You're like, that's got to be the Lord, because I would never think to, I'd never think to ask myself that. And um, (laughs) we're singing, and I heard that whisper, Kev. (laughs) how does a cow bring me glory? And I'm like, a cow? (laughs) Cows bring you glory? Um, How does a cow bring you glory? I thought about it. I'm like, "Um, ah, oh, it brings you glory by producing milk. Like, of course, brings you glory by producing milk. And I heard the Lord, no. (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) Lord, your servant is listening. How does a cow bring you glory? (laughs) And he just said, by being a cow. (laughs) That went over some of y'all's heads. (laughs) A cow brings God glory by being exactly what he created it to be. It doesn't bring him glory by what it produces. If it's a cow, it'll produce milk. But that's not the value. The value is that he created it. And by being it itself, it brings him glory. And I just had this little correction of like, man, I'm like, I'm like Shabbat guy, like Sabbath rest guy. And here I am, I'm like, man, I slipped into production mindset again. But value comes from what we do. Now here's the beautiful thing. Will we bear fruit? Yes. Why? Because he's made us good trees. But a tree's job is just to stand and endure the seasons. The tree just makes sure that it stands. And winter to 
spring to summer to fall to winter to spring to summer to fall. The tree stands and in due time it will bear fruit. But it doesn't strive and its value isn't in the fruit that it creates. Its strength is in the fact that it remains standing. You and I are trees. The fruit is something he does as we abide and stand. This is so liberating. And see, here's the thing, though, because can, we can hear that from a, from a way and being like, oh, so we don't have to do anything. But when you really, if you hear it from that, that's true. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You're free. You're actually that scandalously free that you do not have to do anything. But if that's where your mind's at, you have missed it altogether. You don't see right. When you realize that you're that free, you're like, oh my God, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll do whatever. Like, I will do anything. A heart at rest will give a thousand more than a heart that's striving and from a place that's pure and actually a blessing. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, the Sabbath is a doorway in time every week. That's an invitation for us to submit to, engage, connect, and enjoy God, others, and life. It's a cultural act of defiance to actually spend a day refusing to hustle is to declare that I'm not that important. (laughs) Right? I'm not that important. Life's going to go on. Ministry's going to happen. My business is going to go. If you, I, I hear this from people. I'm like, man, it's just a busy season. I don't, I can't schedule once. I can't schedule a day. Um, if you have built your business or your ministry around you to that degree, then you've deceived yourself and you've, you've built your house on sand and it's a matter of time before that sucker's going to fall anyway. I love you, so I'm just, I got to tell you straight up because you're not made to be a machine. Machines work 24-7. You're not a machine. You're a child. God's not exploitive, and you're not that important. The Sabbath, (laughs) sorry, I love you. (laughs) I'm not that important either, you know? I'm I'm not being mean. I'm just like, we need to know we're not that important. It's not about us. Thank God. But it's countercultural. <laughs> People are like getting up to leave. Um, it's countercultural. It resists, man, the seductive, slimy consumerism of never enough. Like, we can't be grateful if we're always looking for what we don't have. American culture specifically is built. I love America. God bless America. But it is our system in this country is built around you believing that you need more. The Sabbath is a anti-American <laughs> way of living. <laughs> but sometimes the kingdom's not American. Praise God. Um, it is, it is, it's a day to, to settle into 
the gratitude that all that you have and all that you've become in that day, at that moment, is because of God, which means it's enough for today. It's a day where you have the liberty to not get lost in a future that you've projected yourself devoid of God because God doesn't live in the future. He lives with you in the moment because we're not in the future. He's outside of time, but you know what I mean? Taking a day is a, it's a declaration of our faith in the goodness of God and his provision. It is coming into alignment with what's ultimately real and true. I think um, something I love about the Sabbath is, especially if you grew up evangelical or kind of in charismatic circles, we have a temptation, we've been groomed, to think very dualistically. Like this is sacred, that's secular. This is spirit, that's flesh. And there is light and darkness, truth and deception. Um, But God is made manifest in all of creation, waiting to be discovered in how a bird builds his nest and what Psalms 22 says. He um, created this day. He sanctified this day as a meeting place to commune with man in the entirety of who we are, body, soul, and spirit. The Sabbath is a 24-hour period to enjoy God in all of us. It's a day where we cease from our work and therefore allow our physical bodies to rest in the presence of God. It is a day that in the absence of distraction and duty, we allow our soul to both be comforted and confronted by the truth and therefore find its rest in him where our minds quiet, our hearts simmer down. And it's a day of worship and communion where our spirit ascends and we come into alignment again from that perspective. We commune with God, body, soul, and spirit which is so cool to me. Um, So as I prayed, you guys doing good? Cool. As I prayed um, about, okay, if we talk about the Sabbath, I want to give, I I love practicals, love practicals. Um, uh, Like words of wisdom are my jam. And uh, I'm like, okay, this gets tricky because if I, if I, Get to do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. I don't want to put law on you. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to see the invitation and the beauty. And so I was like, Lord, how do I do that? Like, how do we talk about stopping things without making it like a list of things now I've got to stop? And um, I saw this image in my head, again, sanctified imagination of a man like this. And it was two things I knew instantly. One was it's a posture of worship. But it's also when someone's like about to back into you, you're like, stop, 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 you know? So it was like the motion of stopping and and the posture of worship. And imprinted in front of this man, I saw a W. Like if you think about it, right? I saw a W. 
And I felt like the Lord just plopped in my spirit that there are five, one, two, three, four, five graces available from him on the Sabbath. Two of which are graces to do something, symbolizing the hands, and three are graces to stop doing something. One in our physical body and two lower in our soul. And so I want to give you the five graces that I think are available on the Sabbath. And they're all W's. Look at that. I told you there'd be notes and quotes. Um, so the five graces of the Sabbath, if we want to start putting them up. Um, the first two are graces to do something. And the first is there is grace on the Sabbath to worship. Okay, that's not a shocker, right? We love worship in this house. We are built around communing with God in worship. Um, I want to broaden, though, what that looks like as it pertains to the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, it is a day to worship both individually and communally. It is a a day to spend um, dedicated time in the Word of God, in communion and prayer with the Lord. But it's also a day for silence and solitude. My introverts are like, preach it. Uh, I'm an introvert. Um, It is a day, uh, I want to specifically hit on the silence and solitude because I think they're so valuable and so under-cultivated. I have a three-year-old at home, so silence and solitude does not happen at my house. It does not happen. Um, So for me, it requires me leaving my house and going on a walk to get it. There is a spot. We live right by White Rock Lake. Thank God. And there is a spot. I'm not going to tell you where it is because I do not want to see you there. I love you. But if you show up at my spot, it's going down. (laughs) Wasn't there like a law? You're not supposed to push like a goat into a hole on the Sabbath, but I will push you in a hole if I see you in my sacred Sabbath spot. But there's a spot. I don't know why there's never anyone there. It is scenic and beautiful and completely quiet where I hear nothing but the whispers of God in the wind. And I sit very intentionally. This is how it looks for me. I sit and I remind my soul that this isn't about hearing anything seeing something, receiving revelation. This is simply me allowing you to enjoy me, which offends my flesh. Because I'm like, but I suck, you know? No, (laughs) I'm simply, Father, thank you that the cross shows me that you always wanted me that it didn't make me tolerable to you, but my value to you provoked you to send your son. This is how much you long for just this. And so I still myself in Jesus' name, I still my mind in Jesus' name. And I just invite you to draw near. And I said, I'm not waiting for something to happen. Thoughts will come and I just, and I'm just being with God. And sometimes amazing things happen and sometimes I just got to 
spend time with him, you know, whatever. But um, silence and solitude are beautiful gifts where our soul becomes quiet and we realize how connected we are to him, how much he loves us. Um, If you're introverted and maybe single and living alone, you could spend 48 hours in silence and solitude. I don't recommend that. I actually want to encourage you, if you're single, if you live alone, I would encourage you to not only do that, spend your time in quiet reflection, read the scripture, spend time in prayer, do all that, but be very intentional about at some point in that 24-hour period bringing others in to share life with them, to share testimony, to read the scripture, to pray together, whatever. It's incredibly important. The Sabbath is something that we also do together. So your challenge will be to invite some other people into that space. Um, But if you're extroverted, you're always looking for the party, reward. Um, (laughs) You know it's true. You know it's true. Uh, (laughs) Always looking for the next thing, like, what's up? You know, if that's you, you're beautifully designed by God, but you're, I would, I would challenge you as you develop and explore a Sabbath kind of uh, ritual for, for yourself to spend at least just an hour alone, quiet. Leave your phone. Don't put on an iPod or whatever those are. Is that the, I don't think people use those anymore. Whatever the thing, the ear, ear pods. Okay. I'm way out of touch. <laughs> um, <laughs> But don't, don't, do, don't do that. You can do that later, but just spend an hour, 15 minutes even, just in silence and solitude. Um, if that's really challenging, just take a scripture like be still and know and just mull over it in your mind. Like be still, I'm still, and I know that you are God. You are God. And it can help you kind of quiet down. Um, the second grace, second W, of things to do on the Sabbath is to do whatever is worthwhile. I love this one. To do whatever is worthwhile. Um, Philippians 4.8 is a good uh, barometer of whatever is worthwhile. It says, um, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about these things or do these things. For me, the Sabbath is a day not only for worship, but for whatever is worthwhile. It is a day to feast. It is a day to connect with friends, with family, with Jesus. It is a day to enjoy the pleasures of life and the fruits of your labor. It is not just merely spiritual. It's a day to celebrate life. It is a day to eat really good food. If you are 21 and this doesn't cause you to stumble, drink some really good wine or craft coffee if that's your thing, whatever. No shakes. Why? Because it's a reminder to you that God could have made it all taste like cardboard for the sake of sustenance. No, he made it for our pleasure and enjoyment. And as we receive a meal that's been crafted and prepared, cultivated from the earth, we are reminded that God's provision and nurture and comfort is found in this food. Like it, food is, don't, I'm a foodie. Don't get me started. I, 
food testifies. There's times for fasting, but man, the Sabbath is for feasting. It is a time to gather around friends and family to laugh, to play games if you're married, to be intimate with your spouse. It is a day to enjoy one another, to play games. My mom lived with us for three months while she was renovating her house, took it down to the studs, and we were really beginning to establish Sabbath in our house. And we'd have this huge charcuterie board so that no one really had to cook if they didn't want to. We have meat and cheese and wine and olives. And she'd have this big old puzzle. I'm not a puzzle guy, but we'd sit around and do our puzzles. And it was just a day of like, you know, leave it to beaver kind of like fun and connection. Um, We go on family walks. You know, my son's three and he goes, is it Sabbath day? Yes, it's Sabbath day. You know, um, It is a day for pleasure. It's not a day of overindulgence. It's not a day of gluttony or drunkenness. It's not a day, remember, a good barometer is if there's something that elevates your affection, both for the Lord and for those that you're with, do it. If there's something that diminishes your affection, dulls your soul, and instead of making you go, ah, makes you go, uh, don't do it. Don't just do it on the Sabbath. Just don't do it. But especially on the Sabbath, don't do it. This is why binging Netflix, watching, catching up on season three of Frasier for the third time, you know, whatever, is not, it doesn't have a place on the Sabbath. Yeah, it might be physically and mentally you know, numbing, but that's not the point. The point of Sabbath is that you enter rest, which means you're fully vibrantly alive, not numb and disconnected. So find the things that, like for me, I talked about food already, but for me, like cooking is not work. I love on the Sabbath to go pick tomatoes from the garden and I peel those tomatoes and I thank the Lord for, I'm just like smelling them and I'm, that they're simmering all day on the stove and I'm making some bomb red sauce and oh, I mean, I, I enjoy it. It makes me feel alive and grateful and connected to God and to people. And so what may look like work for one could be pleasure for the other, but it's the barometer is, does it increase my affection for Jesus? Or does it numb me out, distract me from what's real? It's a day to do whatever is worthwhile. If that hasn't sold you enough, uh, let's talk about the two other things, or the three other things, rather. Um, There are graces in the Sabbath to not do three things. Um, The first one is obvious. It's work. There's grace on the Sabbath to not work. You are not made to work seven days a week. It is not God's divine design. I'm not just talking about where you get paid. I'm talking about work. This is why I'm a huge advocate for our team to have two consecutive days off. Why? Because you need one day to stop and Sabbath, and you need another day to do all the work that you're not getting paid to do. (laughs) Clean your house, mow your yard, whatever it is, you know, like do the dishes, pay the bills. You need two days um, so that you can have one day of not working. Um, Again, I said it, but if you've made yourself so integral and important, um, man, you've set yourself up to stumble and fall. Uh, we're, we cannot live that way. We're not meant to. And I would dare say it's sin too. 
Um, so here's some examples. No working. Um, take these, apply them as you as you will, or leave them all together. But no working. So no emails. No work calls. No work talk. We love you. Me and my wife love you, but we're not talking about upper room on the Sabbath. We're not talking about you guys. We're not talking about ministry. We're not talking about work. We are just being together. Um, we, um, <laughs> I didn't do such a good job of this one recently. I did watch a movie on Sabbath the other day, but it was a documentary. So, you know, <laughs> kind of made my soul come alive. Work in progress. Um, but as a general rule, we try to avoid screens, phones, TV, iPods. We just disengage because that stuff's just so, it's luring, it's tempting. If something's so radically important that my attention is needed, people know where I live. Someone can find me if something's that important. But most of what f- seems urgent isn't really that urgent and can wait till the next day. Um, so we turn off all that kind of stuff. Um, No housework, yard work, or duties outside um, of the home, just life-giving, pleasurable hobbies. We're growing into this, um, but uh, I really am excited, for parents in the room, really excited about creating this tradition as a family, to think of our children growing up in a context where Every, for us, it's Friday. Every Thursday night, they know Sabbath is coming, that it's going to be a day of fun with mom and dad. And to see that tradition grow as, the, as Ellis ages and can contribute and add some things. And I would invite you, if you have kids, um, ask them, what are some things that make, what would make your heart come alive today? How can we celebrate God today? And have them contribute to the activities of Sabbath as a family. Um, okay. Uh, two more. There is grace on the Sabbath to stop wanting. There's grace available to stop wanting. That can look like not going shopping, not online browsing, deleting the Zillow app. (laughs) Zillow's like the lust factory for like 40-year-olds. We're just like, oh my gosh, did you see this four-bedroom, four-bath? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Babe, look at this. <laughs> it's in the neighborhood with the good schools. <laughs> Do you think they'll accept an offer $200,000 under asking? Um, <laughs> it's a day to stop wanting. It's not a day to catch up on bills and to balance your checkbook. Sometimes we order in food, but we try to avoid that even. It's a day to discipline our minds from yearning for what we wish we had so that we can instead use that energy to cultivate gratitude for what we have already. It's just a day to be grateful, to be like, man, this car is a hoopty, but thank you, Lord, that I don't have to ride dart. You know, like whatever. It's, it's finding gratitude for all that you have, knowing that if that's what you have, it's enough for right now. It's a discipline. It's a, what's shocking is as if you lean into this, you will realize how much time we spend in vain fantasy. 
dreaming about winning the lotto. And dreaming with God is so valuable. I'm not diminishing that. But there's a fantasy life that is an escape for us, especially when life gets hard. We'll fantasize about things. And, um, and the Sabbath confronts that. It's why there's a command portion. Because we realize, man, this yearning is really, it produces a lot of discontentment in my heart because I it breeds entitlement and frustration and anyway so it, it's really it's really confronting um, but there is there's grace to stop wanting and to avoid those things and simply try to cultivate gratitude uh, and lastly there's grace on the Sabbath to not worry there's grace to not worry um, this one I really want to make sure you hear me right on this um, on, for um, Jews, um, Orthodox Jews, there is a f- they are forbidden from even grieving the death of a loved one on the Sabbath. Now that's, that's like, for us, it's like, what? How inauthentic, right? Um, but I think that there's a treasure here because we, we live in a culture that so elevates feelings as barometers of truth as somehow our feelings supersede us. And I'm not talking about mental health and all that stuff. That There's different, I just hear what I'm saying and don't read into what I'm saying. But um, your feelings are not bigger than you. You are bigger than your feelings. And there is grace on the Sabbath to actually transcend through stopping activity, bringing whatever condition your soul's in to the Lord, find rest, connection, comfort for your soul, there is a place to realign with your spirit as the head, with your spirit out front, so that you might still have a feeling, but that feeling's not dictating and driving you. It's subservient to you. And if it's not serving you, off it goes. Um, So, like, it's happened before where... My wife and I have been on a, yes, a marital disagreement. Um, and we realize, ooh, we're, we're starting to, well, I said, well, really, I said, you know, kind of thing. And then we realize, oof, it's the Sabbath. It's Shabbat. Boop, pause, hold on. Write it down, shelf it. We're going to revisit this conversation tomorrow. It's not an avoidance. It's not stuffing. It's not, it's saying, hey, today, this isn't the priority. Today, we're going to enjoy one another. We're going to choose to do that. We're going to choose to celebrate. We're going to choose to be grateful for one another to let that offense go. We'll pick that up tomorrow. We can hash that out tomorrow. Oftentimes, by tomorrow comes, you're like, whatever. It's all good. I'm done with that. It's not a big deal. In the moment, it feels so big. There's grace on the Sabbath to not worry, to not indulge in thoughts and feelings or conversations that are heavy, sorrowful, foster longing for things you don't have or wish you had. Soul issues can be kind of set aside for a day. Again, it's not avoidance. It's not denial. It's choosing something better over what is. Does that make sense? Is that okay to say? Um, It's no future planning, no discussion of what the future holds. Are we going to have more kids? When are we going to get that different house? You know, all those things. Are on pause for the Sabbath, and it's simply focused on being and being grateful. Um, that is 
impossible. These things are impossible to do apart from the grace of God, which is why there are five graces that are available. They come from Jesus. They point back to Jesus. But I I wanted to frame these five graces so that as you ponder and pray and explore whether Sabbath keeping is something brand new to you or you're like bomb at it and have been practicing it for 20 years, that these graces will give you context on communion and conversation with Jesus of how to step in and apply them not only personally, but as family and friends. Um, I, I really, um, it's my just sincere hope that, um, that we become a community that's known for this. Uh, I've just, I know Miller and Larissa have said it. I will reiterate it. My wife would too. It is one of the most life-giving, life-changing, transformative disciplines or whatever you want to call it um, that I've personally ever adopted. Um, And so I think if we can step into this wholeheartedly and progressively, the fruit in our community, um, who knows? Who knows what that could look like? So I want to pray for you. Um, Just for a grace to lean in for the spirit of God himself to show you uh, how he's calling you to respond, um, to look at your schedule differently. Maybe there's some repentance uh, needed. Maybe there's just um, some acceptance and some yeses of, I'll I'll give that a go. I'll try that out. Um, But I want to pray for you. Um, Jesus, thank you that you really are our eternal rest, that it is something you own. It is who you are. You are still waters. You are our peace, our security. We thank you that you are so available and ready to meet us, to lead us beside those still waters, to make us lie down in green pastures. And Jesus, we know you are abounding in grace, that grace and truth are yours. And I ask you, Lord, for all those watching and listening, Lord, would you in this moment release not only your word, but your grace. That in the ways that you're calling each individually to reconsider, to reapply, to recommit, to lay aside, to partner with you in your rest, to enter into your holiness. On the Sabbath, Lord, would you speak and empower us to become a people, not only who live from rest, but practice it in a way that testifies to the world what you're like and how good you really are. Teach us to feast in a way that brings you glory connects us to you and one another.